glad there's power in the blood, aren't you? The blood of Jesus. I tell you, I'm glad that it was shed for you and me. His body was broken so that you and I could be saved. I'm glad for his sacrifice on the cross. I'm thankful for salvation. If you'd like to find your place in Jeremiah chapter 21, that'll be fine. I'm going to give you a brief introduction and then we'll get right into the message. But how many of you like to win? I know I do. I man, to lose is I don't I don't know anybody that sets out to lose. And and uh, matter of fact, when I was young, my dad had to teach me how to lose gracefully, <laughs> and I still don't like it. <laughs> but but he did teach me how, how to lose gracefully, and and uh, but you don't have to like it. And have you ever gone up against a team, and maybe it's playing some some sports? on a sports team or, or you went up against a, an opponent or something and you thought that you couldn't win uh, and no one else thought you could win either and you, you, I mean, and you didn't believe really that you could do it. But you know, there are stories in the Bible here where it appeared that the heroes of the faith were going to lose. And had it not been for God, they would have lost. I think about David and Goliath. David's brothers thought that David could not win. Even King Saul did not think that David could win. Goliath surely thought that David had no chance at all to beat him. And can I just say that humanly speaking, they were right. Had David went up against Goliath in his own strength, then David would have been destroyed. But what David's brothers and even King Saul and Goliath had overlooked is was that it was God that was fighting against Goliath. All they saw was a little boy when they should have seen his God and how great he was. Think about old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and, and uh, you know... Uh, what, what, I mean, what, what kind of chance did they have uh, uh, against a furious king uh, who, who said these words, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? What, what, what chance did they have against a fiery furnace that was seven times hotter? Humanly speaking, they didn't have a chance. But see, what everybody in that crowd, the king, had overlooked uh, is that it was God that was fighting that battle for them. And it was God that would deliver them. Daniel in the den of lions, same things. God fought for him and delivered him. Boy, I think about the walls of Jericho. It's God that made those walls to fall. And Jericho thought that no one could overcome their city. And, and, and humanly speaking, they were right. The Israelites could not defeat them, but the battle was not of them. It was of the Lord. It was God that was fighting against Jericho. 
Oh, King Shanachra from Assyria. He came to King Hezekiah and he told him that there's no nation or God that could stand against him. And humanly speaking, he was right. But he too had overlooked the fact that he wasn't fighting against Hezekiah. He was fighting against God. He too had to learn the hard way that you cannot fight against God and win. There's a future battle coming. Could be as soon as seven years from today where all nations are going to gather against the Lord of the Lords and the King of Kings. And they too are going to think that they can have all power and defeat God. But the Bible says that Jesus is going to wipe them all out with the sword that proceeds from his mouth. I'd like to preach on the subject. When God fights against you, you cannot win. You cannot win when God fights against you. In Jeremiah 21, in verse 1, it says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, when King Zedekiah sent unto him Pasher, the son of Melchior, Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, saying, Inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, maketh war against us. If so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all his wondrous works, that he may go up uh, from us. Then said Jeremiah unto them, Thus shall ye say to Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, wherewith ye fight against the king of Babylon and against the Chaldeans which besiege you without the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. And boy, don't miss this. And I myself, who's speaking? God. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. And I will smite the inhabitants of the city, both man and beast. They shall die of a great pestilence. And afterwards saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants and the people, and such as are left in this city from the pestilence, from the sword, and from the famine, and to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of their enemies, and to the hand of those that seek their life. And he shall smite them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them, neither have pity, nor have mercy. And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Even in the midst of judgment, God is merciful and gives them a way of escape. Boy, what a great God we serve. He goes on to say, He that abideth in the city shall die by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth out and falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you, he shall live. And his life shall be unto him for a prey. And here comes again in verse 10. For I have set my face against this city for evil and not for good, saith the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall burn it with fire. And touching the house of the king of Judah, say, 
Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus saith the Lord, execute judgment in the morning and deliver him that is spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. Lest my fury go out like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. In verse 13, he goes at it again and says, Behold, I am against thee. That's some pretty strong words when God says, I'm against you. O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, saith the Lord, which say, Who shall come down against us? Or who shall enter into our habitations? And boy, verse 14, But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, saith the Lord. And I will kindle a fire in the forest thereof, and it shall devour all things round about it. I don't know about you, but this is a scary passage. Anytime that God says that he is against you and that he has set his face against you, against this city for evil, can I just say that's not a good thing? Because of their sin, because of their refusal to get right with God, God said, I've had enough. Well, how many people, that's under the sound of my voice, have heard the words, maybe a young person from a mom or dad or a grandparent or from a teacher, and, and they've heard those words, I've had enough. <laughs> maybe you were just goofing off or not paying attention or being disobedient, not following instructions, not listening, and, but you heard those words, I've had enough. And you understood that things were about to change really quick. And if you didn't change... Something was going to happen. How about you married men? <laughs> Any honest married men out there? <laughs> you ever heard those words? <laughs> after all that God had done for Israel, after that he had brought them out of Egypt, he gave them the desires of their heart. He gave them land and cities that they didn't have to build. He gave them a future. He even gave them the desires of their hearts when it went against what God wanted for them. And give us a king. We want to be like all the other nations. And Boy, that came and bit them, didn't it? Well, they soon turned against God and started worshiping idols. God sent prophet after prophet, message after message with a call to repent and just simply love God with all their heart, with all their mind and all their soul but they would not listen. Now God has come to the point where he's had enough. And go, he says, and God has declared judgment and punishment on Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to be used of God to destroy Jerusalem and take away the people captive. I mean, they, they can actually see it. They, they know that all these things are real, but they still won't hearken to God's message. But in mercy, God tells them to the prophet Jeremiah that if you'll go out to the enemy and surrender, then your life will be spared. But if you don't, then your life is going to be taken. If you got in trouble at school and you're going to get kicked out of school for something that you did, but the principal comes up to you and says, look, I want to be merciful to you. Instead of kicking you out of school, I want you to stay over two or three hours every day at school and make up for all the trouble that you caused. Both are a form of punishment, right? But one's not as harsh as the other. 
That principle is what? He's being merciful to that young person. Giving them an opportunity to be spared from being kicked out. God is holy and God is just. He told Israel, as long as you obey me and keep my commandments and I'll bless you, but when you turn away from me, then you'll leave me no other choice but to punish you. Israel got what was coming to them. But even in that punishment and that judgment, we see the mercy of God. He gave them a way for their life to be spared, but they would not humble themselves. They made Jeremiah the prophet out to be the bad guy. That's what a lot of people do to the preacher. They'll make him out to be the bad guy. All he's doing is telling people about the consequences of sin and what God said that will happen to all those that reject Jesus as their Savior, but they'll say that's too harsh. Or they'll say, well, we can figure it out some other way. No, you cannot fight against God and win. I spoke with a lady last Sunday afternoon. She'd been calling, leaving these weird voicemails. And last Sunday, she kept calling back to back, back to back. And finally, I just picked up the phone and, and I said, may I help you? And, and, I, and, and had all these questions and things and asking things that just really, you know, didn't really add up. And I tried to give her the gospel. I tried to tell her about salvation and how that she could know for sure that heaven, her home. But see, she didn't want that. She, she didn't want to hear about that. So I had a word of prayer and I had to get off the phone. You can come to church and not listen to what the preacher says. You can come to church and fight against God the whole time you're there. Being distracted, not paying attention, got other things on your mind. You're fighting against God, but can I just say, you're not going to win. Oh, you may think, yeah, boy, I got out of that service without having to change. I got out of that service without having to humble myself. I got out of that service, you know, I'll be all right. You can't fight against God and think you're going to win. There's a penalty for sin. The Bible calls it the wages of sin. And that penalty is death. That's an eternal separation from God. And there's only two places that a person goes when they die. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. Hell was created for the devil and the devil wants everybody to go there with him. The devil, the flesh, and the world will try to tell you that you don't need to be saved. Hey, that you're a good person. Hey, you, you even go to church and you pray and, and, uh, and you even sing the songs. Oh, you, you, you don't have to believe that Jesus died for your sins and took your place on the cross. Hey, the devil will lie to you because he does not love you. You see, God loves you. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. That's why he made a way for everyone to go to heaven. It is just and right for God to punish those who do not believe in him. And those that have broken his law, it is just and right for God to do that. If you rob a bank, you should go to jail. If you murder someone, then you should be put to death. If you steal something, you should have to give it back. If you disobey, then you ought to be punished. Hey, if you don't do your homework or your schoolwork, then you should get an F on that assignment. 
If you break the law, then there's a just reward for that. God said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. God says the wages of sin is death, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. But here's the good news. God loves everybody the same. It makes no difference what kind of sin you've done. Israel could not have gotten any further away from God, but yet in mercy he offered them a way to live. You see, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all men come to repentance. But right here's the thing. If you reject that, if you fight against God and, and you say, I don't believe that and I don't want that, then you leave God no other choice. God loves you. There's no other remedy to, be, to, to, to avoid hell. You've got to be saved. The only way for those in Jerusalem to stay alive when the Babylonians took over was to do what God said. They had to go out and surrender and their lives would be spared. Don't miss it now. In order for their lives to be spared from death, the wages of sin, remember they're where they're at because of their sin. Right, here's what they had to do. They had to see themselves as good as dead. They had to believe what God said and they had to act on what they believed and trust that God would do what God said. How do you get saved? How do we get spared from the wages of sin? You've got to believe what God says about your condition. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, the wages of my sin is death, but God loved me and gave his son Jesus to take my place and die for my sins. He was buried and rose again for my justification. And if I believe in him, then I'll receive everlasting life. It's the only way for anyone to get saved and have everlasting life. I had to believe that, and everyone else has to believe that too. To deny Jesus and what he did on the cross for you is to fight against God. And we've already seen, we've already established the fact that you will not win. Thank the Lord we can be saved. But in order to be saved, you've got to see yourself a sinner. You've got to realize your condition, unable to save yourself. Believing that God gave His only begotten Son to die in our place and He promises to save everyone that believes on Him and gives them everlasting life. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? If you haven't, then I caution you to not fight against God. Because God always wins. Maybe you're here today and you're saved. But you've been fighting against God by not keeping His commandments. Maybe you're doing things or listening to people and, or listening to things that are drawing you away from God. Hey, maybe it's some form of worldly music, uh, rock and roll, country, or rap, or say some things that you're listening to and you're allowing that to, to, to control your mind. Uh, or maybe you're just too much on the internet and trying to be entertained by stupidity instead of giving God your reasonable service. Why don't you quit fighting against God? Can I just say, you're not going to get any better. You're not going to get any closer to him. Matter of fact, you're going to keep getting further and further away from him. 
You cannot fight against God and win. But here's the good news. Makes no difference how far you've gone. God is merciful. He will forgive you and help you overcome that sin in your life.